パラパップパラフレッシュ・ヨング・フェイスズ。
mainstream theater. So let's talk a little bit about the play. So Slave Play. Uh, it addresses sexuality and racial trauma in America. It takes place on the McGregor Plantation, located just south of Richmond, Virginia. It begins with interracial sexual violence between three couples, Kanisha and Jim, Philip and Alana, and Dustin and Gary. What begins on a slave plantation in the American South is suddenly thrown into present-day America as a sex therapy retreat for interracial couples. The couples include black participants who are no longer able to receive sexual pleasure from their white partners. The white partners have a blind spot about the role that race plays in their relationship. We are introduced to the hilarious and insightful therapists Tia and Patricia. It is later revealed that the pair are also a couple and have developed this method while working through similar issues in their own interracial relationship. Through some challenges and revelations and tough discussions, the couples make some major breakthroughs within their relationships. What did you all think of this play? I was beyond shook and taken into a new realm of existence when yeah. we transported ourselves to the present day. Yeah. When she's suddenly yelling Starbucks, I was like, hold up. Where is this? Happening? What time is this? <laughs> I just thought it was so smart. I didn't know that that is the direction it was going to take, and right. it made me mm -hmm. appreciate the title Slave Play that much more. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Once you discover that double meaning. That would have me, like, jaw agape in the audience. I was jaw agape on my couch, reading it. <laughs> <laughs> this play was something that I didn't know much about um, prior to reading it. I knew that it was intense and I was prepping for that so initially reading act one I was like wow this is like violent and like really like jarring and like this is like a lot then for it to all be you know like oh just kidding they're you know they're all consenting adults and they're doing this therapy retreat so suddenly you're like oh it's <laughs> the stakes aren't as crazy as as they seem, this is a completely different play than I thought it was going to end up being. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I I really liked the play. When I was reading it, I felt like I kind of had an intuition. I didn't really know anything about the play going into reading it. But when I was reading that first act, um, when they are on the plantation, I just felt like I had an intuition that it was fake. I when I was I understand what you are saying because when I was reading it I remember thinking something about the way they're speaking seems yeah. very right now. Mm -hmm. Yes, and even though they weren't like referencing things that we understand now, it yeah it was interesting. It was like, it made it make sense. Uh huh. It answered my questions very quickly. Yeah, there were little nuggets throughout. And I even went back and read some sections once Act 2 sort of revealed the truth of the play to me to find those little those little stones that were left behind in Act 1 for me to, to figure out those little hints. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, that has to be so interesting to work with, like, in the room. Mm -hmm. Is how can we hint at that this is actually... Mm -hmm the present yeah or do you want it to not seem like the present at all yeah, yeah. do you not want to break the illusion i guess yeah. which is more shocking yeah true 
I am interested to hear what you all thought about the therapists because I, I loved, I loved them. I was laughing out loud reading their lines. I think. Sure. I wish I like, I don't have a copy of the play right in front of me, but I wish I could just pull out some of what they were saying. They are definitely some much needed comic relief. I felt they They sort of drove the tone of act two. Um, so it let you as the as the viewer sort of relax on what the the whole situation mm-hmm. at present was. Yeah, them being so funny tells me that like it's okay to laugh right mm-hmm. at other points because it is funny. It's hilarious. It's a really <laughs> funny play <laughs> when you let yourself yeah. laugh. Therapy workshops are hilarious. Yeah. Sex is hilarious, and when you bring in it, um. The shock factor makes you kind of laugh, mm-hmm. you know, whether like whether sure. it's voluntary or not. And so, I think that it they yeah they it d- helps you be able to process and laugh at things that are like shitty about life. They definitely um Absolutely. they definitely lighten the mood. I felt like at times um they could have been seen as like one of our peers. They just had like a like a younger sense to them. Oh yeah, I definitely felt like they uh-huh. were younger. At least, like, young millennials. Right. Yeah, I can, right. I can definitely, definitely see that. At least. Mm-hmm. Even how later on it was revealed that, I, I get, I'm say later on, but just a, a little bit into their post-experimental discussion, <laughs> it is later revealed that they are a couple. And then I went back and reread. But it made that banter between the two of them in the beginning just all the more hilarious. It was so, it's so quick. Mm-hmm. And it made their stakes a little bit, it made their stakes a little bit higher, but also made them a little bit more, um, I guess, relatable to the couples, the the three other couples uh, situation. Yeah, I feel like they were able to, because they were... Would, would you guys ever be interested in that kind of therapy? Sex therapy? Yeah. To that extreme, I feel like that in was an inter- in an interracial relationship. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like really raw like group spaces like that are they're re- they're terrifying, but would definitely interest me. I feel like I would do something like that. They're pretty intense. Those kinds of mm-hmm. group spaces where you're just sharing trauma with each other and really like being open, because there's nothing scarier than being so vulnerable with a person. Mm-hmm. sharing right. how you feel mm-hmm. and your issues with your partner well if we go to the mcgregor plantation it's just a few miles south of richmond virginia maybe we can all you know try our hand at this, this group therapy nah. <laughs> maybe we'll be each other's group let's make a field trip <laughs> <laughs> i feel like I feel like we can move on now to another interesting relationship it takes place in the play Buzzer. Yeah. Do you want to tell that us a little bit about that? Please. KK? Yeah. So Buzzer was written by Tracy Scott Wilson. She is a queer black woman from Newark, New Jersey, and is currently writing for stage, film, and television. 
1998, she became a playwriting fellow with the New York Theatre Workshop and has since received readings at the New York Theatre Workshop, Second Stage Theatre, Public Theatre, Williamstown Theatre Festival, and the Soho Theatre Writers Center in London. Her most successful works are The Good Negro, which she wrote in 2010, and Buzzer, which we're talking about now, written in 2016. Fun fact, was a staff writer for the americans on fx it was a recent series and yeah was one that. of the co-executive producers on fossey burden oh okay Ooh. and she wrote the screenplay for the upcoming biopic on aretha franklin respect which is premiering Ooh. later this year so she's booked and busy all yes the time. she is yeah, she's booked and busy wow yeah and her play buzzer which is honestly more of like a one act. It was shorter than I yeah. expected it to be. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really, really short. Yeah. I felt like it was like a nice solid length. I really liked the length of it. I yeah, did as well. Depending on how it's directed, it could be like yeah. 45 to 60 minutes maybe. And, and that's through. all you need. Yeah, straight through for sure. <laughs> yeah. And that's all you need. Exactly. So <laughs> centers around a young couple, Jackson, who's black, and Susie, who's white, starting a new life together in a gentrified apartment in Jackson's former neighborhood. Jackson self-describes this neighborhood as changing or gentrifying in the right direction. The core argument begins when Jackson's best friend and recovering addict, Don, comes to move in with them, much to Susie's dismay. The couple's relationship starts to decline when Susie is not being honest about the harassment she's experiencing from black men in the neighborhood. She does, however, open up about this to Don, who is white and they end up getting closer and having some spontaneous sex. Sex which is surprisingly kept a secret throughout the play. When it is finally revealed to Jackson that Susie has been taunted by men while he's not around, or has been too oblivious to see, he is enraged and basically just wants to go out and fight these men. He ends up just getting pummeled by these guys, and Don is the one who breaks through with them seemingly just by talking. The drama resolves when Don is forced to move out by Jackson because he believes he has broken the agreement of their house of not using, because he's a drug addict. Of course, the audience knows, however, that this was just a cover-up for the cheating. The final scene shows Susie entering the apartment lobby, letting the door close behind her to a black man, seemingly who lives there, and says, Will you open the door? She stares. He says, Can you please open the door? I forgot my keys. Open the door. She walks away. Open the fucking door, he says. Blackout. So that's the play. What did you guys think? <laughs> I loved this play. I did too. I really easy read. Love. Really yeah. easy read. Really fun the whole time. Well, not fun, but, <laughs> you know, it it kept you wanting more. It kept me, it kept you very surprised. Um, mm-hmm. The relationships between... Susie and Jackson and Don, like the three of them, they kept pretty clear throughout. So that kind of made it all the more, I guess, tragic at the end because you just sort of wanted them to be honest. Both Don and Susie just loved Jackson so much. So it is actually pretty surprising that they were able to keep that, to keep the cheating a secret. Yeah, the there were definitely them. times when I was like, it's about to come out. Mm-hmm. And Susie knew it was about to come out. Oh, yeah. And then mm-hmm. he changed the direction of what he was saying, and they were able to pull it together. I just could really not get over the fact that 
these men who's, who have been harassing Susie are just like all of a sudden like, oh yeah, sorry, I'll stop doing it. Right. And that right. Goes out to talk to them. Like, how did that happen? I I don't understand that. Yeah, it went from being harassed every day walking to work to inviting them into in for dinner and like yeah. <laughs> trying to make buds in the neighborhood. Yeah, but Don is like Don is weird. I definitely yeah. took when he was like, you should just, like, invite them over. Yes. It's like, no, Don. Yeah. That was weird. <laughs> that, yeah. He, he had said weird things like that. Oh, yeah. The whole time. Like, I definitely kind of took his character as, like... The jokester. The, the jokester, like, the dumb stoner, but it's meth. They don't, I don't know if they specify. No, they don't, they don't really specify. No, they just said a He needle. calls himself a super cool white guy. See that right here. Yes, yes. There, I thought that the writing in this show was really smart. There were some, there were a few moments where Jackson would make a joke about how he was, um, you know, the model Negro who is mm-hmm. getting out of the community, and Susie and Don would be like, "Whoa, bro, not cool, not funny at all." <laughs> yeah, anytime he joked about race, they're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. like whoa, whoa, whoa," and I was like, "This is hilarious because he's." surrounded by these two white people mm-hmm. who just are not in on the joke. Yeah. They just felt uncomfortable. Yeah. They were uncomfortable mm-hmm. presented in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just, it was very smart to me. Um, I thought just by reading mm-hmm. even little things like that where race was so apparent within their relationships. Mm-hmm. Which I guess in a way ties back to some of the themes in slave play right because it was like mostly about the dynamics between don. Susie and jackson being of a different mm-hmm. race but then when don was bringing up the fact that he like grew up there too mm-hmm. yeah yeah Not but like don's there, but... like dad and jackson's mom and how he was like yeah actually my dad used to call you guys the n-word all the time yeah, and how his dad was yeah. secretly racist. And then later racist. was like, but remember, my dad's the reason that your family wasn't homeless. It's like, right. whoa, man. What are you... Yeah. That was yeah. crazy. That's some heavy implications. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That made me um, really start to dislike the character, Don, at the end. Um, just because he constantly was trying to compare his experience with Jackson. Yes. Um, and how Jackson was taking so much for granted when Don, this whole time, was still blind to it. He was kind of blind to his own privilege. It was more so to me that he didn't want to accept his own privilege. Right, he Ooh. wanted to be one of the boys. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know, and because he was telling Jackson how to, like, deal with the neighborhood men. Right. Yeah. You yeah. can't fight him, man. he was the one who did yeah. deal with it? That, I'm still confused. He dealt with it. I mean, I feel like he was more comfortable in the situation. As in, like, he was saying he's been in so many fights before. And That's true. He yeah. doesn't really need to. Jackson is like, I, I imagine Jackson is just this, like, nerd. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what it sounds sure. like. Because well, he was defending him. Don was defending him in school. Yeah. Jackson got bullied. Yeah. <laughs> and. Don protected him, and then Don got into a whole bunch of shit when he was using, and... I'm starting to see how this possibility could be more likely. That Don <laughs> knows how to fight. 
chill that he just talked to them and was like, stop. I, I could understand why um, he was able to de-escalate the situation, and I feel like it's just because he was prop like, he, you know, he's been on the streets, he's probably been homeless for a little bit, like, he, he's, you know, he abuses drugs. He knows how to handle people. He was probably able to humble himself enough in the situation, too, to be able to talk to them just openly. Right. And, I mean, remember, these aren't just, like, they're not just thugs. They're just they live young there. kids. Yeah, right, they're just, like... They live there. They're in the area. Yeah. And, I mean, they were expressing why they were upset as well. Yeah. They do put that in there. I mean, yeah... I'm not defending them... Yeah, for, not defending their behavior, but... For harassment, but... <laughs> But I do see why Don was able to handle that situation better than... Jackson probably would not have began with that sort of energy. Was the man at the end supposed to be Don? Do you think? No. What? No. It says black man. I understand. I read that it said black man. But what are you supposed to be Don? Um, maybe kind of like a metaphor for... Oh, like in a metaphorical. Like in a metaphorical sense that, um... Susie was closing the door on their relationship because didn't they just talk about before the end of the play how it was a mistake that they moved there? I think it was more so trying to reveal um, Susie's racial bias. She closed that door on that man because she saw a black man and she felt unsafe. Oh, yeah, true. Just locking this man out of his building who was like, I live here, I left my keys upstairs. And I it believed him because when it said, the way it read, she suddenly closed the door and he was like surprised and was like, uh, <laughs> what are you doing? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was mad. Yeah. I, I was... <laughs> As I would be. <laughs> really, like, shocked by this ending. Not that Susie did this, mm-hmm. but like, I don't know, it always says something when you like suddenly bring somebody like new on stage... And mm-hmm. it was like, oh, we really thought that, like, maybe they would, like, solve this. Right. And now it's like, damn. Yeah. And then it's, it's After sort of... someone to go fight for you, to be like, nobody fucking talk about this girl ever again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then being like, fuck you, I'm closing the door. It and sort of makes me um, wonder, like... I guess I wonder what led Susie to the conclusion of thinking, like, that man, like, doesn't live here and that she, like, sort of... Sort of shut him out and then like actively ignored him and just like walked up the stairs as if like so sure of herself like so sure that he didn't live there yeah that she just never see this man again it wasn't worth the risk for her yeah mm-hmm. i mean it says in these stage directions that like, he's wearing sagging pants a do-rag and a wife beater t-shirt yeah so she's just like, like damn tracy <laughs> black man no. <laughs> yeah. I'll pass. Because, like, that's, yeah. not, that's not how she sees Jackson. Yeah. Right. Because right. like, she different... sees him as this, like, cleaned up nerd with, you know, who's with a great job and, like, very smart. Because oftentimes they let his work be the number one issue. They're arguing, the three of them are arguing so mm-hmm. often throughout the play and he's on his phone. And they always let that still be his number one, like, issue. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I really enjoyed Buzzer, and I think that uh, if you can get your hands on it, you should read it. It's a quick read. Um, it's great, and it's really interesting to 
digest and dissect. Thank you, Tracy. Thanks, Trace. Thanks, Trace. <laughs> All right. So that brings us to our third and final play, Fairview by Jackie Sibley's Drury. Garvey, do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Sure, sure. Um, so Jackie actually grew up in Plainfield, New Jersey. She got her bachelor's at Yale. Mm-hmm. And okay, another in, Yale. Yeah, another I know, Yale. another Yale. And her MFA at Brown in playwriting, in their playwriting program. So, fun fact, she wrote a play called Social Creatures. And this is a, a zombie apocalypse-themed play. Yes, we need to read that. Yeah, we really should. And it um, premiered at Trinity Rep. What? We, yeah. That's the word the MFA program is at Brown University. It's at Trinity. That's at Trinity? It's because Providence That's is That's the name tiny, of their program. And Brown mm-hmm. is, like, in Providence, I'm pretty sure. Um, which is also where Trinity Rep is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're one and the same. Yeah. That's where the MFA program is. Is through, a, like, not like an apprenticeship, but through a residency mm-hmm. at Trinity. Which is dope. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And she's written a handful of plays, though her most notable is Fairview. And Fairview was presented first in 2018 off-Broadway by the Berkeley Repertory Theater and the Soho Rep. Right. But along with winning a lot of awards and honors for Fairview, she won the 2019 Pulitzer Prize for mm-hmm. Drama for Fairview. Yep. Wow. So That's it's awesome. it's a really recent play and it's yeah, yeah it's, it's a big new. deal. It's a big deal. That is pretty big. Mm-hmm. So to talk more about the play, Fairview is about a middle class family, black family, who prepares a for a birthday party for their grandmother. Now the first act deals with the black family, Beverly, who the who is the mother, Dayton, who's the father, Jasmine, who's the aunt and Keisha, who's the daughter, as they're getting ready for the party. And this part of the play is reminiscent and usually is played up like a sitcom. The second act deals with the four white people, Suze, Mac, Betts, and Jimbo, those white folks, watching the black family as they reenact the first act, as if they're viewers of that sitcom. And then the third and final act introduces the white characters and the lives of the black characters, in the narrative as characters referenced but never seen. So what did you guys think about the play? I liked it. It was very WandaVision vibes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It is. Yeah, I can totally see that. I mean, I think, like, conceptually on a stage, it could be staged really interestingly. Mm-hmm. I yeah. like it I took found me my... a little bit to figure out what was happening, but I think if I was watching it, mm-hmm. it would be easily understandable. Oh yeah, it was definitely a little bit weird reading the translation of it. Um, I guess for what was happening on stage during Act Two, mm-hmm. so definitely it's yeah. definitely something that makes that will make a lot more sense staged Same, once you see right. it. But I did find myself sort of like raking over how how this would be staged. I just like the idea of having a play emulate kind of a sitcom because, totally. I mean, they, <laughs> they're they kind of parallels. Oh, yeah. They go together very well. Absolutely. 
with sitcoms, they break the fourth wall all the time. Mm-hmm. Which happens in the play. Yeah, it does happen in the play, uh-huh. yeah. Keisha was my favorite character throughout Keisha it. Keisha was also my favorite character. She was hilarious. Like she was Keisha. written, like, not only is Keisha the one to address how Act 3 were mixing the these new characters into roles that that aren't that they aren't supposed to be in so then when the family is interacting with him she's the only one who lets you know that something is off but from Keisha's initial entrance I loved her beginning monologue of setting that relationship with her aunt and having her aunt talk to her mom about her whole college situation she just came in with a lot of teenage energy (laughs) That I thought was very well written, and I really enjoyed her character. She read very Gen Z to me, and I think that's something I appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, is it even supposed to be a present-day sitcom? Or is that also flexible? Um, You know, they didn't specify, so I'm pretty sure it it could be flexible. It definitely can be. The only thing that led me to believe that was why she is so bent up over taking a gap year and why her mom will let her. That was the only thing that I was like, oh, this is, like, oh, you know, more modern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it does it, take it yeah. to, like, at least maybe the 80s or 90s. Yeah. At least. At least. But even when she, like, mentioned that her, I don't know, and unless this was just my mind's eye as reading it, but when she mentioned that her friend was coming over to drop something off, I, like, read that as a text. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to talk about how... In the third act, it's these white people who we just saw talking about the TV show are now in the TV show mm-hmm. playing mm-hmm. black people, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, I, th- I think that's so interesting because it's so, like, bold, mm-hmm. you know? Because I obviously don't think they'd be in, like, blackface or anything. That would be ridiculous and would take away the fact that it's funny. Yeah. Right. But... It definitely is an interesting blend between funny and uncomfy. Yes. It's interesting um, with the information that we got from Act 2 and the whole conversation of them, that the coworkers, I'm going to call them the coworkers, those white folks, yeah. um, that they were having about if you could choose any race, what would you choose? Yeah. Um, and then getting a little bit more background on Sue's talking about how uh, she feels that she was raised by her nanny and her nanny felt more like her mom than her parents, who was a black woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so she would choose to be black because she, you know, grew up with a a, such a prominent yeah, black figure in her life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was interesting that when Suze took over the role of the grandmother in Act 3, that we didn't, that I didn't automatically see her as, like, a threat in the play until the other co-workers then showed up and were starting to mess with the dynamic and make a mockery of the family. But at the same time, I was like, but here Suze is, Mm -hmm. you know, living her fantasy. (laughs) She just lets it happen. Mm -hmm. She's not there for support. She's she's just there to take part of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like what she is doing isn't any worse than what the other coworkers were doing. They she just isn't like making a mockery of this family. I don't think that it's the coworkers being like, "Oh, let's all pretend that we're in this TV show." 
I thought they were like transported into the world almost. I, yeah, I felt like yeah. they were, but it was like, like completely separate. Like this is a world of the play moment, separate thing. This is you what did, you're saying outside. I, I thought it was more it out. I thought it was more they're watching this and now they're in it. So they're just yeah. going based off of what they've seen, what they like about the show. They're inserting things that they already like have preconditioned within their mind to insert. Because they're like making her Keisha pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're playing to the stereotype, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's their, I mean, it does kind of make sense that it's like their fantasy of what I would be if I was in this TV show. Right. If I was in this world, if I was black, mm-hmm. what would I be like? Uh-huh. Making sense about how um, Suze is the, like, matriarch figure at the end. Because she was yeah. like, you guys are just saying you want to be black because you think it's cool. I want to be black because I felt like I was raised by a black woman. Right. This is different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why I, I also, I read it the same way. I read it right. the exact same way. It In the yeah. beginning, it just sort of felt like, oh, this is Suze living her black fantasy, being mm-hmm. choosing to be the matriarch of this family situation. Yeah, I mean, it was certainly an interesting ending, and I feel like the, any audience watching this would be really surprised about them yeah. suddenly showing up in this world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and hopefully, I, I think it would be really funny. I, I mean, it's funny. It is, it is, it is very funny. funny. It is funny, but it it leaves you with so much to think about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Completely. And so much to consider. I love how I really loved Keisha's monologue at the end. Because it was like, oh, that's what this play is about. That's why we're seeing, you know, Act 3 with the two worlds kind of combined in this sort of subsection that doesn't really exist or we're not really sure if it exists. Mm-hmm. Where these people have to somehow, like, semi-seem aware, because obviously Keisha is aware that this is not a normal situation, but the rest of the family is oblivious to. Right. That's where I feel like it represents the just theater reality in itself. Mm -hmm. Like a world that's only existing, like, on this stage right now. Yeah. And why, like, there are different rules where, like, just Keisha can be like, so you guys... What do you think about this? You want to be this? Because I need a break. Now stop. Yeah, yeah. Like, whatever. Yeah, inviting them on stage. That was that was crazy. Do you think that anybody is, like, really getting up and being like, oh, I, okay, I... like, is that the intent? Is it like, <laughs> hey, come sit at this table. See what it feels like to sit at this table. I have no clue, but I would love to be in the audience and watch this show, because I would love to see what happens. Yeah. I'm really curious about the audience reaction to being invited yeah. on stage. Would you go? On <laughs> stage? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know. If Only if I was maybe dragged by the hand, I'd be like, okay, I'm in, <laughs> yes and. But I wouldn't be like, ooh, pick me. Yeah. Pick me. <laughs> because then you're left with that sort of inner conflict. It's like, oh, if you go up, then you're just like, Sue, is what Sue's doing is like, is Sue's wrong? Is what is this world? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of figuring out what the world is mm-hmm. before you understand it. I would totally read this play again, or even watch it. I would love to watch it. I would it. love to see it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd love to see a production. Oh yeah, of it. I would love to oh, play Keisha. We Keisha, because we'll, we'll Keisha see mentioned some. the like stage manager. Yeah. 
She's like, could I really ask you guys to come on stage? Mm-hmm. I could tell you guys, look, there's Terry. She's our stage manager. She's amazing. She's white. She's coming up here, too. You can come up here, too. But she's teasing in a way of, like, could I say this? Could I Am I allowed? to come yeah. on stage and do this and have it be okay? I don't know. And would you do it? And would you do it? Would you take a seat with us at this table? And that's the question we're leaving with you, you audience. Mind blown. (laughs) Or would you just watch? Because that's what all of these white people are doing. I love the idea that it leaves the audience with the question, like, do you step into these roles with ignorance? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Do you choose to see both sides, and do you want to see them as fair? Oh, fair view. Yeah, it was just, I was just reeling the last the last word of the play is fair. Ooh, what's the first word of the play? The first word of the play is what? what? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a pretty common first word. Yeah, I really I really liked this play. I really liked all the plays that we read. Yeah. I would yeah. be excited to be a part of the production of any of these. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. I think we we had a good list here, and I'm excited to make uh, future playlists and break them down with you all. Yeah, get some reading on. Thanks for chatting with us while we are you know, sticking it out through our our little cold we got. <sighs> Your little 10-day yeah. quarantine. Our little 14-day, probably. Quarantine. Oh, no, the CDC says it can be 10 days now. That's what my... Yeah, they shortened it. That's what my um, managers told me. Okay. Okay. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Definitely check out these plays and check out the other plays and playwrights that we mentioned in our queer playlist and black playlist. Keep an eye out for more. It was great chatting with you all today, and I hope that you all reach out and let us know if you have read any of these plays Follow us on Spotify, follow us on Instagram. Keep Keep up up with with the the fun. fun!